I'm going to be reading from one of the Gospels today, um, the Gospel of John, and 14, 1 to 7. If you've got a Bible, I think it's on page 750. I'll give you some time. So basically, here at Providence, we, we, we read the Bible knowing it's God's Word, and we believe that, um, yeah, it's God's Word, and um, we wholly believe in it. So join with me um, as I read from 14, starting at 1. Jesus comforts his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, you have seen him. And that is the word of God. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. How did you guys spend Easter growing up? How many of you, uh, how many of you did Easter egg hunts when you were young? Did anyone do Easter egg hunts? Okay, about 40% uh, of the room. How many of you guys eat hot cross buns during Easter? Not everyone. Wow, come on, you guys are missing out. Hot cross buns. You could, I could eat that any day of the year, right? It doesn't have to be Easter. Uh, who, generally, growing up, you went away for your holidays? You know, for the four-day weekend, your family took you away on holidays. Really? You guys don't go away for Easter? Oh, wow. You know, for me, when I think about Easter and that long weekend, I mean, a lot of people aren't here because they're on holidays, but when I think about Easter, I think of, I think of home, and I think of my family. Uh, growing up in an in immigrant family, working class family, meant we rarely took holidays. Uh, my family, uh, they moved here to Australia, what, 40 years ago or something, and they worked seven days a week, 365 days a year in the small corner shop business, right? So I think uh, Kim's Convenience, if you ever watched that on Netflix, that was my life. Except I grew up with uh, a family of eight. I have five sisters, and my parents worked all the time. They worked all the time to pay the bills. We had to play with each other, which wasn't always fun because I've got only sisters. Um, but that was my life. I grew up with sisters around and big family. And the only time we'd have a break together was Easter and Christmas. But on Easter and Christmas, my parents would still open half the day. They said, "No, oh, we got to serve the people out there. You know, they need their bread and milk." And I'm like, Ugh, "I just want a day off. I didn't want to have to. Uh, I wanted my parents for the day." But what they'd do is they'd spend half the day with us, we'd go out, we'd go to the beach, we'd have a picnic, whatever it might be, uh, or we'd gather at home, if it's raining especially, and we'd have a big feast at home, right? It was family time, that's what we'd do, that's how we spent Easter. And I, I'd imagine for them, it was their moment of rest. They work every day in the year, to have Easter and Christmas is a time of rest for them. But as I thought about it, as I think about it as an adult now, was it really restful? <laughs> Was it really restful to, to have to manage you know, six kids and try and figure out a meal for them on your day off? I was reflecting on this last week. The last week here, we were in Brisbane, right? And we were on a three-day lockdown. 
And it was announced, when it was announced, I got a flood of text messages from my friends in Sydney, Melbourne. You know, they're sending their love and condolences as if someone passed away. Are you going to be okay, Mike? I'm like, it's three days. I'll be all right. You're right? And, and you know, I replied to them. I said, actually, I'm, actually, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I get to spend time at home, and that sounds great for an introvert like me. You know, I get to hang out with my wife. There's, a, there's food in the fridge. My dog is really cute, and I have fish in a fish tank. That just gives me peace, you know? And isn't that what home is all about? Isn't what home, when we think about home, we think home is a place of peace. Who here is an independent adult? Most, most of us should put up our hands right now. Right? If you're over 18, you should be an adult and hopefully you know how to be independent. You know how to cook food for yourself. If you don't, we need to have a conversation. But uh, most of you guys are independent adults, right? And you know what it's like to live on your own. You know what it's like to uh, have the peace of being at home and, and watching Netflix whenever you want, having a big bed to yourself, playing video games, you know, reading a book to chill out, not having to worry about anyone else. You could, you could walk around the house without your clothes on even, right? That's the, 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 the beauty of living out of home and independently as an adult. All those creature comforts. Home is that place where we can find peace and rest, isn't it? But is home really restful? You know, I've been thinking about this more and more, how the world has changed. Uh, home isn't quite what it once used to be. COVID has really flipped our worlds upside down, hasn't it? We don't need to go to uni. We don't need to go into the office. Many of us can study from home. Many of us can work from home. And, and while the idea is good and working from home is nice, have we realized how much of a toll it takes on us? You still have to get the same amount of work done, even if you work from home. You still have to meet deadlines. You still have to uh, get work done and feel the burden of that. And what has happened is really interesting uh, because home has become a place where work and rest are blurred now. You wake up and immediately you start your day with reading emails and getting into Zoom meetings. Uh, one of our guys here, he was telling me about how he woke up one day and get, had to get straight into a meeting and he didn't have time to shower or anything and his, work actually call, uh, his boss actually called him out for it. He said, you haven't taken a shower yet, have you? you know? and, and you can tell, you can tell through Zoom that you, know, you, you look like you just woke up. And so you go to work and then you switch off the computer. It's the end of the day and as soon as you switch off a computer, there's a, there's a pile of clothes that need to be folded. There's laundry that needs to be done. There are bills to pay. There is dinner to cook. And what we saw in lockdown is the lines have been blurred and home, it's not, meant, it's not really a place of rest anymore, is it? It's become a place that you want to escape. How many of us during lockdown last year, they, you, you had to get out of the house. Some of you actually missed the office. Some of you missed church and going to your MCG in, in midweek. Some of us, uh, we took our dogs for walks more than they needed to, right? Some of you guys did exercise more than you've ever done in your lives just to get out of the house. You know who you are, right? And I imagine for those around the world who are still in lockdown after a year, there are people in the world and their home is far from a place of rest, but rather they would uh, feel like home is really a place of torture. No wonder there's articles that speak about the impact of lockdown and there's a rise in loneliness and, and mental health issues around the world. Home is a place of torture. People are feeling so fatigued and exhausted working from home. You see, our world has changed, hasn't it? We once lived work at work and home was a place for me. You know, the old saying is appropriate here, right? The old saying, you know what I'm about to say, without swearing, it goes something like, don't take a poo where you eat. Isn't that true? But that's what has happened. You know, and for, for others who have young children, wow, adding children into the mix, sure, it's a joy to have children, but you're sleep deprived. You, you haven't done anything for yourself in a long time. What is rest? Maybe for others here, uh, 
even before lockdown, home wasn't a restful place. Maybe you grew up with a dysfunctional family and all that childhood trauma you face still to this day means home was never a place of rest for you. So we try to escape. And so on our Easter holidays, we will go on a holiday and we'll pay someone else to use their home, and we call it Airbnb, hoping that their home will give us rest and peace to our stressful lives. Works for a bit, gives us what we need, we get refreshed, but let's be honest, we've all gone on holidays, and sometimes on our holidays we have conflict, don't we, with our significant others. It's not always so blissful as the Instagram photos make it look. Holidays and our homes, yes, they provide relief and rest, but perhaps it's time to admit, can they truly provide the peace and rest that our hearts truly and ultimately need? Even in our own homes, we might experience the same loneliness, the same anxiety, the depression and conflict in our souls. Maybe the peace we need isn't in our home or from our circumstances. Maybe we need to find a, a peace that is deeper and greater than what our world can offer. It's obvious, isn't it? Our hearts are always searching for a sense of peace and rest in our hectic, fast-paced world, yet we always land on things that seem so temporary and fading and never last. What if Easter told us there is a way home, a way to a better home, how it's meant to be, that a greater home where our, that our hearts can look forward to, and we can find the way to that home through Jesus and what happened that first Easter over 2,000 years ago. See, the passage we read today is really a precursor, right? And it helps us to see that, uh, what Jesus accomplished for us on that faithful first Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The first thing we're going to see today is Easter reveals that there is a brokenness in our world that needs to be fixed. What we read today in John 14, and if you have bi your Bibles, you can follow along, but it's the night before Jesus goes to his death on a cross. He tells them this, that he has to give himself up. He's with them in the in, in privacy of the upper room. He's with them. He's praying with them, serving them. And he tells them that he has to give his life over. And he says to his disciples here in our reading, right? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He's saying, trust me. Me going to my death, whatever happens to me, has to happen. You see, he's already foreseeing what's going to happen to him. He's going to go to the cross the next day and die on the cross. Jesus himself is fully aware why he had to be born into our world. And there is a problem that needs to be fixed. This is it. We felt it during lockdown. We felt the discomfort. Even the last week, we felt fear. Some of us felt fear. Every sniffle, every cough, you're like, oh, crap, do I need to go get COVID tested? How much of us feel fear when we cough around others and we have to explain, oh, don't worry, I don't have COVID? How much of us feel that anxiety? We can all look around the world, though, and see that there's something wrong. Uh, we can look around and see, see that the world is suffering. Read the news on the daily. You'll see tragedy befalls our world all the time. What, what's happened in the last couple of months? Uh, the situation in Myanmar, that's serious. There's a military coup and protest. It's, it's led to over 500 deaths, civilian deaths. How sad is that? Uh, one of our regulars here, she has her parents over living in Myanmar, doing missionary work, and she's always worried about them. There's a lot of fear right now over there. In the U.S., we've heard about shootings like, like Atlanta and Colorado. We've heard about the, the, uh, the racism and, and, the, and the hate and all that that's happening over there. Uh, just last week on Palm Sunday, we heard about Indonesia and the attempted suicide bombing where over 20 people were injured. This is all happening in the, just in the last month. Uh, what's worse, what, well, it's not worse, but it's all over my headlines, is there was a, a boat that got stuck in the Suez Canal. This, this boat called the Ever Given, and all these memes came out about it. That's, that's what I was headlining news. And I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but the repercussions were huge, over a billion dollars in damages and, and losses. But, you know, there, was, there were heaps of live animals on some of those boats. 
in some of those cargo containers, live animals going to a destination that are probably going to die before they make it there. Not enough food and water on those boats. That's sad, that's tragic. And what's really ironic though, the president of Egypt, he got up and did a speech. He says, we want to confirm to all the world that things are back to as they were. And he said that in front of a sign that said, welcome to the Suez Canal, Egypt's lifeline of peace, prosperity and development. So ironic because it's the same Suez Canal that a boat got stuck there and a billion dollars in damages and six really stressful days. I wouldn't say that they were peaceful or full of prosperity, but you see it, don't you? We want a world of peace. We want a world of harmony, but we're so far from it. And we think our culture today is so woke, there's so much progress, but look around the world and look into your own hearts. We all still, we all still feel the brokenness of it, don't we? You think by now the world would have gotten on board with anti-racism, but there's still so much of it out there. You think we'd be in a better place with our environment and caring for it, but we're not. You think there'd be less of a disparity between rich and poor, surely, but it's still the same. You know, it reminds me of those lyrics by Wu-Tang Clan, cash rules, everything, thank you, Heidi, everything around me, cash rules, everything around me. You know, it's, a, it's that reality, because what's out there is sin, and we still see the effects of sin in our world. You know, and the sin out there, but also the sin that exists in us. You know, there's still pride. There's still going to be selfishness. There's still going to be greed in our world, no matter how much progress we have as humanity, as a society. We've all turned away from God, and in our sin, in our, the universal human sin, means that we've disconnected ourselves from the source of good, from the source of our great God who is good and loving and kind and gracious. We're not where we're meant to be. And our home, even our homes, aren't always a safe place. Our lives are always going uh, to reflect that. And our world is going to feel the effects of brokenness. And that's why we keep reading it in the news. That's why there are still news out there for us to read. We see it out there and we feel it in here as we stress and as we feel anxious. And sure, science, education, knowledge, information, it all helps for us to progress as humans. But sadly, we'll never find the true rest and peace we want without God renewing our world. There's a problem. There's a brokenness we need to fix. And Jesus says, trust me, look to me. See, that's the first thing Easter shows us. There is a brokenness in our world that needs to be fixed. We need to restore our relationship with God. But Easter shows us the second thing. It shows us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he says here in John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Where are we going to find peace and rest? We're going to find it in the presence of the Father. He's talking about Father, the Father, the God, right? God in God the Father, he's in the triune Godhead. He's saying, in God the Father's presence, you'll find what our unsettled hearts are looking for. But we can't enter into the Father's presence on our own. We can't enter into the Father's presence without Jesus. So on Good Friday, our, uh, our friends on, on Facebook, our Christian friends particularly, you, you might have seen it on your Facebook or your Instagram, they're posting on their social media, remember, remember Jesus today on Good Friday. Remember Jesus who died an undeserving death on the cross for you and for me. I say that every week on Sundays, but you know, on Good Friday, we want to use that opportunity to tell everyone, remember Jesus. Think about it. A man who was innocent put on a Roman cross to be executed. Why? Well, it's for this very reason. What happened is that God saw his creation. He saw you and I, his own people, created in his image, living in sin, in rejection of him. He saw us. 
He saw us in our conflict. He saw us in our brokenness, without hope, without peace. There's a famous uh, Swiss psychiatrist uh, in in history. His name's Carl Jung, J-U-N-G, Carl Jung. And he said this, As far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light in the darkness of mere being. As far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light in the darkness of mere being. Right? Even this psychiatrist can recognize there's a darkness that exists in all of us. We're all on a journey to find the light. Well, we can find it in God. He sees the darkness that stains our hearts. Humanity is sin. He, sin means that our hearts don't acknowledge God for who he is, that we don't desire relationship with him, that we'd rather play God over our own lives or worship other gods and idols in this life than give him the recognition he deserves. Since our relationship with God is broken, since our sin is an offense to him, did you know that he has every right to reject us? That's justice. He gives us over to our sin. We feel the weight of darkness, don't we, in our lives? Not only that, there's a spiritual eternal darkness that we're all looking forward to. The spiritual death that we have to face because of sin. Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. When you think about people who have paved the way, who do you think about? Who's the first person you think about when you think of people who paved the way in history? Um, Martin Luther King Jr., perhaps, you know, who, who fought for civil rights for colored people. William Wilberforce in history, who stood up in Parliament to abolish slavery. Uh, the suffragettes who paved the way for women's rights. Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela. Who is it? There were people in history there that have paved the way, haven't they? It was through them uh, that peace was achieved for certain per- people groups, at least. They paved the way. When Jesus says he's the way, though, he's saying, I'm the way for peace to come to all of humanity, for all people of all backgrounds. And you know, this peace isn't just for this lifetime. It's going to be an eternal peace. It means for sin, sin to be dealt with, for sin to be removed from humankind, past, present, and future sin, it had to be Jesus. It had to be the perfect, sinless Son of God who through his love, grace, and mercy gave his own life, took our sin, and provided us a way to forgiveness before God. Jesus is the way. You know, the, the early church, actually, if you didn't know this, the early church after Jesus' time, um, they weren't known as Christians. They were called followers of the way. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, admittedly, it does sound a bit cultish, you know, if you go and tell someone, um, someone, I follow the way. Uh, but, you know, you can imagine um, being part of the, Christian, the early Christian church, the way, his death for mine. He is the great substitute. You see, when he died for all those who believe and trust him, their sins have been nailed to the cross alongside Jesus. In his death, he deals with sin. It means through his perfect life, you and I get his goodness and right standing before God. He is the necessary. He's the ultimate sacrifice. So we can say God is good. So we can say that Friday he died was good Friday because he, in his mercy and kindness, sacrificed himself for you and I to pave the way to God. How good is that? How good is Good Friday? How good is Jesus? Sin separated us. But now we can have a way into the presence of good, God himself. That's what Good Friday was all about. But today we also remember something else that had to happen. And there's a third thing. Easter shows us Jesus goes before us and he paves the way home. You see, this is what the resurrection really shows us. Uh, In chapter 14, what we read, uh, what Nick read for us, Jesus also said this. He said, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You see, after Good Friday, three days later, the first Easter Sunday, what happened? The same man, the same Son of God, Jesus, he rose from the dead. That sounds outrageous to many of us, but he rose from the dead. In John's Gospel, right, in the same Gospel that we read John from, from John 14, in John chapter 20, we read about this account, the resurrection account. The resurrection is so powerful. I'm just going to read this verse. It says, uh, When the women who entered the empty tomb, the, t- the two angels in the tomb said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He isn't here. He is risen. And it's just this moment where, where the, the body they're looking for, Jesus, is, his body has been resurrected. He is the living. He's not, he's not dead. And for the Christian, the resurrection is the very foundation of our hope and peace that we need to uh, embrace. If Jesus stayed dead, well, we'd have no idea that he was truly who he said he was, the Christ, the Savior. He'd just be another dude in the ground, six feet under like the rest of us. But no, because Jesus lives, we have a solid hope that he set out to do what he, uh, that, that what he set out to do has been achieved. Death is no more. We don't have to face the eternal punishment that spiritual death awaits because sin is no more. And he takes away the barrier between us and God, so there is a, a way to God. That's what being raised to life means we can be united with him in that internal life with God. And while we had to deal with being stuck at home for three days last week, and I know it was hard for some of us, Jesus experienced a three-day lockdown in death, but he didn't stay there, right? He's risen. You know, why, you know what that accomplishes, though? It, it's to free us from the death that we would have had to face for eternity. Imagine that. I mean, people have been in lockdown for a year in some parts of the world, but what if we had to experience that for eternity? Imagine the torment and torture being in lockdown. Imagine our mental health, our loneliness. Imagine all the conflict in our hearts that we would experience if we had to face the prison that our, that our sin is deserving of. I mean, I don't know if you saw in the news last year too, you know, even the rich and the famous, they're living in their big mansions, their luxury, but they even couldn't stand being in lockdown. Most of them are here in Australia because they just had to get out of America because they wanted freedom. See, our earthly homes will never be perfect. They'll never give us the rest and peace our souls truly need. Our hearts will always be unsatisfied, longing for more, looking for more, looking for home. Jesus paves the way home to our eternal home, to a place of eternal peace, to a place where we can truly rest in the presence of God. That's our future hope, friends. That's what our restless hearts need. I love how in the same resurrection account, John chapter 20, if you have it, you can flip to it. But Jesus is actually comforting Mary, who is crying outside the empty tomb. Let me read it for you in verse 15 in chapter 20. He asked her, Mary, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Now thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. See, in the resurrection account, there's a flashback, isn't there, to what we read, to John chapter 14. That flashback, he'll go ahead of them. He'll prepare a place for them in the Father's home. He's ascending to the Father, our Father, his God, our God. And like he says in John 14, he'll prepare a room for us in the Father's home. Friends, isn't that a wonderful promise? Do we know that's what the resurrection accomplishes for us? You know, this is so important because how often have you heard that phrase, home is where the heart is? 
I really want us to challenge this idea, right? Because our hearts, man, they're the biggest culprit of why we don't feel at peace at home. Our hearts have triggers. Our hearts have anxieties and struggles like with self-worth or never being good enough. Our hearts, they, they, they feel so strongly the weight and burdens of expectations and failure. Yeah, we want peace in our homes, but we struggle to find peace in our very hearts. And while the, the self-help books can tell you to practice mindfulness and get control of your life, we can only self-help ourselves so far. You know, the yoga retreats and the meditation exercise, they, they're all only so temporary, aren't they? I googled um, this last week, self-help books released in 2020, and a huge list came up. Uh, Living Mindfully, From Clutter to Clarity, The Well-Gardened Mind, Live Like a Monk, Keep Moving, Get Out of Your Head, Buy Yourself the Effing Lilies, right? And I'm reading these, and I'm like, man, some of these people, right, they, they really want... They really want us to, to buy the lilies. Like, they really want us to, to practice this mindfulness, to just love yourself, right? And why are there so many of these books telling us the same thing? And why are there so many books every year being released? And our, our shelves, our bookshelves, our, our bookstores are, are, are stocked with all these new release books saying the same things. Because they simply don't work. Because they don't last. We actually need a savior to bring us the peace our hearts so desperately need to bring us to our true home, to our eternal home. And the resurrection, that's how we can find it. It restores us back to God, to the Father. Now, I don't know about you, but I long for that day when I don't have to read the news anymore. Not because the news bores me, but because the news is full of grief and sadness and brokenness. You see, what we hear in the West, too, in the news is only a small fraction of of the real brokenness happening in other countries. There is still so much oppression. There are still so much people, there's still so much uh, of people living in fear, kidnapped, you know, sold into slavery, people getting blown up, gunned down. And this is just another day in the life of some of these people in other parts of the world. But not only on the other side of the world, right here in my heart. Don't you and I, don't we feel the brokenness, the conflict of our own sin, my selfishness? Man, I'm tired of hurting people. Not intentionally, but I'm tired of hurting people with the things that I say, with the things that I do. I'm tired of feeling alone or anxious. I'm tired of not feeling like I'm in control and stressed out. I feel the the wickedness of my sin. I can see my brokenness every day. Where is peace going to be found? Where will our ultimate home and rest be found? See, the Bible tells us there is a day where justice and renewal will come and all things will be made new. When there'll, there'll be no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more conflict, no more sin. Friends, we can have that future hope. We can have the restoration and peace when our faith in Jesus, who paves the way home for us, it's it's what the resurrection for us gives us. And while many of us, uh, while while for many of us, you know, these things are are future blessings, we can actually enjoy and experience them today. Many of these blessings today, you know, through Jesus, we're gifted with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that comforts us in our loneliness, walks with us through the pain, carries us when the burdens seem too heavy to bear. That's the promise that God gives us a divine peace that we can cling to even when the world around us is falling apart. How can we know that? Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because of Easter. We can have the God of the universe right here with us. And so friends, as I finish, let me ask you, where is home for you? What home are you looking for? Yeah, at Easter, we make it about the chocolate, we make it about the hot cross buns, we make it about the holidays. But you know what? They're all fading. And they simply can't fix the problem deep down. But there is a better news that Easter offers. 
we get to go on the highway to joy. We get to go on the road to peace that has been paid for us. I want to invite you to come home. Come home and see that in Christ you have a greater home to look forward to. With the Father. Put your faith in Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And in Him you can find the eternal peace and rest that our restless hearts are searching for. Let me pray for us now. Father, on this Easter Sunday, we remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We remember that, that good news and the good news that uh, is so real and relevant for us today, 2,000 years later. We're thankful for Jesus, Lord, that he in his sacrifice came down to our world to serve us, to go to, the de- to, go to his death on, the, on a Roman cross, to take our sin, to remove it, and, to, uh, and to, to suffer the punishment that was reserved for us, and then to be raised again three days later. Lord, we're so thankful for the resurrection. We're so thankful that in the resurrection we can know that our hope isn't in vain, that death has no sting, that we can know eternal life that comes from you because we see in life, we see new life in Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, for, for many of us here who are still working this out, working out what it means uh, to follow Jesus, what it means to, to be a Christian, what it means to be followers of the way. Help us to see that it is in Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Help us to see that he goes before us, Lord. He's the trailblazer. He's the one who goes and, and ascends to the Father, and he prepares a room for us, and we get to look forward to that future hope. And so we pray, Lord, that as we think through that and as we pray over that, as, as it settles in our hearts, may it resonate deeply. May it speak to us deeply to the depths of our souls and may, may it speak to the darkness that we feel, the brokenness. And I pray, Lord, as we see Jesus, may we see the light that comes from him and the life that is offered. Lord, I do pray that for all of us here, that we'll keep putting our trust in Jesus and we'll see that there is new life in him and we'll live in light of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.